Vacation Bible School and helped out. If you helped out this week or attended this week, will you stand up for us? Even if you just came, right? give them a round of applause. It's good to have you. All right, y'all can be seated. Here in a little while, uh, Miss Cammie and, and I think Carissa, too, probably have all his kids come up, and they're going to sing a few songs and everything. So uh, we're grateful for what God's done this week. And we're grateful to start off today's services with a couple of baptisms, which we'll get to in just a second. Uh, got a couple of quick announcements. Today we are having baptism. We're having our kids sing. And then tonight, happy 4th of July, no service tonight. So VBS workers, take your good nap today, all right? Um, but uh, we will be having our VBS celebration this morning. So y'all support those kids. And any parents who have kids that come up and sing today, before you leave, right, on your way out the door, make sure you come to the back. We're going to have some, some goodie bags for them. And we just want to say thanks for coming. Thanks for letting us have them this week. And we really enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow is the 4th of July, so praise God for the freedoms we have in our nation. And uh, no greater, more American way to celebrate freedom than blowing stuff up. Amen? Uh, so that's what we're going to do. Uh, town's going to have uh, stuff blown up tomorrow in the sky. We get to watch it. But meet here at church, 7 o'clock, down at the pavilion. And uh, bring some snacks if you want to. The church will have paper products, and we'll have coolers full of nice cold water. And we'll have some outdoor games. Bring you a lawn chair, and we'll have some fun. And hang out, and we'll watch the fireworks go boom, and uh, it'll be a good time, all right? And then uh, continue to remember that we've got the women's ministry. They've got a sign-up sheet in the back for um, the women's retreat, and that's coming up soon, Thursday, September 29th through October the 1st. And uh, I think we've got a meeting next Sunday about that, so if you got questions, save them for then. And then Kids Club will start back up next Sunday night. So all you parents who have your kids here today, if they don't go or don't have anything to, to, to do, on Sunday night, 630, we've got a kids club for them. We'd love to have them with us, all right? So I'm going to go ahead without further ado, and we've got our first uh, donkey this morning. And so, little Rylan, why don't you come on up here, buddy? This is Rylan. Everybody say hi, Rylan. All right. Well, it's my privilege to get to baptize you today. Rylan, let me ask you. Are you trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone for your salvation? Amen. Is there anything you'd like to say? Thank y'all for coming to see me get baptized. Again, said thank you for coming to see me get baptized. Hey. It means it's a special day, buddy. It's my privilege to baptize you, my little brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. and those uh, water snakes for the next guy. Uh, uh, Brother Tony, you come on up here. It's been a privilege to watch watch Tony's transformation, not by anything Tony's done, but by the Lord the past few months. So praise God, I, I'm excited to finally dunk him. Amen. I asked his brothers when they came in, how long to hold him hold him down? And they, they said, till the bubbles don't come up. But I don't think we're going to do that for him, all right? We're, we're going to get him baptized right away. 
Tony, are you trusting Jesus and Jesus alone for your salvation? Yes, sir. You got anything you want to say? Yeah, I just uh, want to thank the Lord for saving my soul, saving me from the pit of sin. Um, I remember back a couple of years ago when I was drinking real heavy. I drunk so much that I got in a liquor poison one time. And uh, I, I got real bad, and my wife and my mom came to the house with my in-laws. And uh, I remember my wife was carrying my son away because she didn't want him to see, see, see me like that. And my dad picked my head up and said, look at what this is going to get you. It's going to cost you your family. So I felt bad about it. I quit for a while, but I went right back to it because that's how much I love sin. That's how much I love him. And uh, you'll love sin just like that until you meet the opposition to sin, which is the Holy Spirit. Let him come to your life and change your life. You'll never be the same. still warm and I'm still wet <laughs> all right well let's pray we're gonna let them change clothes and after I pray we're gonna worship the Lord amen uh, and no better way to start the day to, and to see what God's doing and to see God's work in hearts and lives and I trust as well today that for every person that's here if you come expecting the Lord if you come looking for his mercy that's what you're gonna find let us pray our gracious Heavenly Father we thank you for the testimony today of your goodness your faithfulness and the lives of these people Lord Truly, God, each one of us is, is a walking miracle and a walking answer to prayer. We thank you for your faithfulness, your goodness, your kindness to us each day, Lord. We could go on and on forever and forever, and Lord, one day we're going to get to uh, with, with a perfect body and a perfect mind to be able to be renewed forever, to be glorified, to, to glorify you forever, God. Help today just to be a, a, a touch and just, just a piece of heaven, Lord, that we can worship you and praise you to be filled by your spirit, to be filled with your presence today. God, I pray if there's one today who doesn't know you uh, as Lord and Savior, that today that you would... Uh, humble them, that you would convict them, and that it would be your goodness that would lead them to repentance, that they too might know for sure that heaven would be their home. And, and God, we do pray, Lord, if there's one who needs conviction, if there's one who needs encouragement, Lord, whatever the need might be, that you would meet that need through the power of your Holy Spirit, through the power of your word. God, we love you. Thank you for this time. Help us now to lift up our voices and our hearts to you as we worship you and as we praise you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise the Lord for those that trusted Christ as Savior and have been buried like he was buried and rose like he rose and trusted Christ their Savior. Praise the Lord. Well, let's begin our singing service by saying, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And if you're able, please stand 
and we'll sing at the cross hymn number 323 and 1 Corinthians 118 tells us the preaching of the cross is the power of God 1 Corinthians 118 it is the power of God at the cross Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred end for such a worm as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart And now I am happy all the day. While truth in it was it for crimes that I have done, he groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. At the cross, at cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. Well might the sun in darkness hide and shut his glories in. Christ the mighty maker died for man the creature's sin. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the Amen. You get singing that song, thinking about it, thinking about the day you trusted Christ as your Savior. By faith, it does make you happy all the day long. Well, in uh, Psalm 40, verse 3, it, uh, on the song titled, He Keeps Me Singing, it tells us in Psalm 40, verse 3, He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. And literally, He does that to those that are saved, to those who trust him as Lord and Savior. He keeps me singing. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still. Me 
singing as I go. Soon he's coming back to welcome me, far beyond the starry sky. I shall wing my flight to worlds unknown. I shall reign with him on if you're able. The next song is Since Jesus Came Into My Heart, hymn number 503. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And that is very, very true. Amen. Since Jesus came into my heart and your heart, Amen. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought Since Jesus came into my heart I have light in my soul for which long I had sought Since Jesus came into my heart After we greet everyone, wave, smile, shake hands, turn around, do somersaults and backflips and all that stuff. No, don't do that. But do make everyone feel welcome that you can speak to around you. And after you do that, you may be seated. And I'm always telling y'all to wave. I'll wave at y'all, okay? Give you a big old grin. <laughs> all right. Uh, now we have some really special music today. Miss Tammy, there you are. You need this moved. Oh, no, you're fine. If I can have all of the kids that sang at VBS to come up here, you get to come on stage this time.
what a what a blessing. And they are so wonderfully made, and we are too, by the way. We're special in God's eyes. And God created us, and we did not. We did not come from a monkey. Amen. God created us. And I appreciate that teaching that was in the Vacation Bible School this year. Now let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask that you would pray with me to the one and only true and living God. Let's bow. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this day. This is the day you made. We rejoice and are glad in it. We thank you, Lord, for dying for us on the cross of Calvary. We thank you, Lord, that you gave your life in obedience to the Heavenly Father and for a sinful, dying world. The only way to you was made by you, and we praise you for that. And we thank you, Lord, that you touched hearts here in this building and all over the world by those that's trusting you by faith in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you for every child that come out and parent here today, too. Thank you for the great blessing we receive by those singing those songs and seeing those precious, precious angels up here praising you. We thank you for the two that's been baptized today. We praise you for that. Lord, we thank you for everything you do for us, all your daily benefits and blessings. We can't praise you enough. And even, Lord, even when we have a bad day, we still praise you because you're worthy of praise. We ask, dear Heavenly Father, that you would bless our pastor as he brings the message. Lord, give him strength and wisdom and utterance of speech and boldness in the power of the Holy Spirit. And just uh, use him, Lord, as your mouthpiece and your vessel of honor here today. And we'll praise you and thank you all that you've done. Thank you for helping us in the singing so far. We ask, Lord, you continue to bless in the singing and the songs. And we just want to tell you we love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, if you're able, please stand as we sing one more song here. Oh, man, this is one of my favorites. I hope it'll soon be yours. <laughs> Behold our God. This, to me, just brings so much honor and glory to our God. John 1.20 tells us, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Behold our God. Who has held the oceans in his hand? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice. Behold our God seated on his throne.
gift inside and we appreciate our pastor well thank you guys we we appreciate you appreciating us amen <laughs> thank you praise the lord it it's uh, hard to believe as of tomorrow would be uh, right at a year here and uh, so praise the lord how many of y'all think it's been a fast year slow year about as long as this sermon's gonna be right <laughs> i'm just kidding no, I'm not going to preach for a year. I feel like I about could. Uh, take your Bible to with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So thankful for the worship that has been lifted this morning for the answers to prayer uh, this morning with the baptisms, the, the children, the vacation Bible school. Let's not forget, we were just a couple of years ago going, are we going to have VBSs again? Are we going to be able to dunk people? Are we going to have fellowships again? Let's not forget it wasn't that long ago. And look at what God has done. Look at what God can do. And I, and I would tell you today, it is not because of Pastor Joe's here, and it's not because you're here, it's because the Lord's here, and it's because of who God is, what He's able to do, what He has done. And I look forward greatly to the things that God is going to do. Let's look here today, 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 19. 
to help give us a little bit of context here, the Apostle Paul is writing to a church that was pretty messed up. And I'm talking about like real messed up, all right? But in this passage, he's dealing with the issue of sins within the body, within individuals, and the way in which individuals are using something which was not meant or designed to be used for evil and using it for evil, but here's what he says, and this is going to be a focus for today and until the, until the Lord be, has just me be quiet about it. But Verse number 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Let me read that again. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Let us pray. Father, I thank You today for Your goodness and Your faithfulness being displayed. I thank You for just a, a moment in time to be able to be with You, to commune with You through prayer, to fellowship with You, to worship You, God. You, you are worthy of all worship throughout all of eternity, God. And I pray that today our hearts would continue to worship You now as we hear Your Word preached. I pray, God, that it would not be my message. Lord, because these are not my people and these are not my words, this is You, Lord. I pray, God, that You would get me out of the way, that You would fill me with Your Spirit, that You would speak to me, Lord, speak through me. And God, that today that you would be glorified in all these things. And Lord, that today that we might know your presence and that we might experience you today. Lord, we thank you for this time and we give it to you now. And Lord, I pray that you would touch every heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Beyond the prayer life of the believer, to know the presence of God is perhaps the most neglected thing in the life of a Christian. We've just spent quite some time talking about prayer life and praying and what it means to pray. We went through all these different purpose and priority, all these different things about prayer. And, and hopefully, we might be praying a little bit more. But even more so, it's not even that we're praying more, but that we are now praying properly. And that is not in our flesh, but praying in the Spirit of God. And by the way, that does not mean some sort of ecstatic utterance or anything that the charismatics might proclaim. But rather, it means that, the, as we've just read in this Scripture, that since we are the temple of the Holy Ghost of God, who is within us, that now that we pray, not by our strength, not for our will, but rather through the Spirit of God that we would be transformed from the inside out, that our will would be conformed to His will. Not that we would be gratified, but that God would be glorified. That is the goal of prayer. And so I hope that has helped your prayer life. But in so doing, God has led me to this, this passage to, to really sit on it for a bit. For us to see and understand and, and through much conversations with many other people, and by the way, conversations with people who are much older than me, some much, much older than me, <laughs> but they've seen things. I'm not talking about they've seen visions and dreams, but they've been in services and in meetings with God where God was there. You see, the greatest need that we've got today is not so much our programs and our different things and our activities. And I love our fellowships and I love our VBS and I'd keep these decorations up all year. One, because I like them, and two, because it might make somebody upset and it'd be fun to do. <laughs> but at the end of the day, all that matters when we come into this place and all that matters is when we leave this place and all that matters is when you open up your Bible when you're at home, all that matters when you bow your head or you bow your knee to pray is that we come into the very presence of God and that we live our life understanding that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost of God. 
which is none other than God, the third person of the Trinity, living inside of us. That the presence of God is not something that we need to look high and low for, but rather that the Holy Spirit, the presence of God should already be there. And the life that we live should be in an outflow and even more so an overflow of the presence of God within us. That we would know that God is with us. God is not just omnipresent where He's everywhere at once. And yes, our minds know that. But that God is very much present in our life. It was Ravenhill who once said that we will be content to live without revival because we're simply content to. And I believe that many believers today, at times, we are content to live without the presence of God simply because we're just content to do so. So we'll never understand the presence of God or the power of God in our life. And the reason why we don't experience the power of God, as we used to say, oh, in yesteryear, we think that God has changed or God has stopped working, and neither one of those is the case. Rather, it's that we've stopped understanding and trusting the very presence of God. And we've even gotten to the place where we would rather have busyness and lights and all the excitement without the Lord. You see, none of those things matter unless God is in it. Not a single thing that will ever take place in this place or in your own individual life, which you'll spend much more time by yourself than you will in these four walls. And what matters most is that you live out of an abundance and an awareness of the presence of God in your life. You see, prayer and the presence of God go hand in hand because it is prayer that is trusting God by faith to enter into His presence, but knowing that we can be in His presence at any moment and that truly everywhere we go, we are in His presence. And if we understood such, boy, how it would change our thought life and the things that we think about. Boy, it would change the things that we're so anxious about or worried over or fretting over. Boy, it would change the places we go, the things we do, or the things that we bring into our bodies through our eyes, our ears, and our mouths. If we understood that God dwelt us. See, praying in the Spirit will always bring us into the presence of God. But knowing the presence of God in prayer always brings us back to know the place of His presence. And the place of the presence of God is in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost Himself within us. We are the temple of the living God. 2 Corinthians 6.16 That you are not just the pastor, not just the missionary, and not just an evangelist, but every believer has the same Holy Spirit that the Apostle Paul had who wrote this. The same Holy Spirit that Peter had on the day of Pentecost. The same Holy Spirit that was promised to every believer. Yet so many of us miss out on the power of God and the peace of God because we don't just rest in the presence of God that is already there. A.W. Tozer once said that God is never impressed by with what a man can do. He is more concerned with what a man is. You see, we have placed such an emphasis on the outward when God does the work from the inside out. Religion is outside in. God saves the inside and the outside will change with it. You see, if we look at ourselves today and we understand that we are the temple, and we're going to look at what that means, that the Holy Spirit indwells us, that God takes up residence within every believer. Do you know what that means? It means every part of your life from the inside to the outside and in that order will and must look different. And if it does not, 
then I would be very concerned whether God is in residence in you or not. There will be a difference when the Lord comes in to your life. And if there's not, then you must be born again. You must not keep seeking religion. You must not keep trying to turn over a new leaf. You must not keep trying to be a better Christian. As a matter of fact, go ahead and stop that mess and start depending upon the gift of God, which is God Himself who indwells you, dear believer. Trust in the Spirit of God to do what only the Spirit of God can do, and that's to change you from the inside out. You can't save you by your strength. And you can't keep you saved by your strength. You can't sanctify you by strength. You certainly can't glorify you by your strength. So what in the world do we do? We trust in what God has already given, which is Himself. You see, I don't have to try to do anything for God's presence. And there are those who say, you've got to just drum up the Spirit a little bit. You've got to get Him riled up. You know what that's called? That's called religion and emotionalism, and that sent plenty of people to hell. What we need today, and when we talk, and some of you Baptists who ain't seen the move of God in so long, get a little concerned. We start talking about experiencing the presence of God. You get a little, go, well, I don't know, right? We start talking about the Spirit, and you start going, well, I don't know if He's for us, right? We've got Jesus and the Father, but Holy Spirit's for the charismatic. No, 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 no. Every believer is a temple of God. Specifically, as He says, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, because He's the gift of God, and ye are not your own. See, I don't need to try to drum up God's presence. Rather, all of my life is to be an overflow of His presence already within me. Those in Christ are the temple of the Holy Ghost of God. So in other words, if you want to know today the place of His presence, it's not going to be found in cathedrals. It's not going to be found in shirts and ties and ankle-length skirts. It's going to be found the Holy Ghost in you. The Spirit of God within. Let's look today. As we talk about what this means to know the place of the presence of God, I believe this will be incredibly critical for us because if we begin to understand and to acknowledge and to become aware that the presence of God is within us, not through who we are, what we've done, but rather through who He is and what He has done, the Holy Spirit is within us. It will change everything. At least it should. It'll keep us from doing an awful lot of things outwardly because our inward knows the Lord is very much here. I'm not just an ambassador and representing Him, but I'm taking Him everywhere I go. But even more so, our Christian life should not be I'm dragging the Lord along for the ride, but rather, He's living through me. This temple, this body is no longer my own. Your life is not your own. Your checkbook is not your own. Your Building and this church is not yours, nor is it mine or anybody else. It's God's. Belongs to Him. Now I want to look first of all today at what it means, this temple. (coughs) See, the temple was to be a place where God's presence was. And I would ask you today, do you know, are you aware of the presence of God in your life? You might know in your mind, uh, yes, God's everywhere at once, and yes, I have the Holy Spirit if I'm saved. But let me ask you something deeper. Do you know the presence of God, of the Holy Spirit within you? Because there's a difference between someone who is just saved and doesn't know nothing and someone who's been saved so long that they've forgotten what it means to simply rest in the presence and to know the presence of God. Some have known the presence of God to be saved and then have grown cold and hardened because they've spent so little time 
knowing that the presence of God is already within. And they've been searching and searching like, like a drunkard for the next high, trying to find the next experience to have the, the tingles on the back of your neck when all we need to do is know that we are the temple of God. You see, the old temple, even going back to the tabernacle, the tabernacle and temple both played a, a temporary role in bringing the presence of God to man. If we understand this, that the Garden of Eden, God places man there and it's a perfect place, perfect condition. But because of man's choice and ability and will, and we'll look at that in a moment, he willfully chose to sin against a holy and righteous God who he could walk with, who he could know, and who he could have enjoyed forever. But in his own will, in his own mind, his own thoughts, he chose death. And in so doing, everyone that has been born of the flesh is brought up having a sinful nature, living in a sin-cursed world, in a sin-cursed body, and we live fleshly, and we must be born again. And the only way that we can be born again is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus, God in the flesh, came to this world, died on the cross for our sins, was buried, rose again the third day, according to the Scripture, to offer forgiveness, redemption, eternal life to all who repent and believe. He will reconcile us, meaning taking us from being enemies of God to being a friend of God, to adopt us, to make us His dear children, and now we get to go to heaven to be with Him. But even in this nasty now and now, we can be in His presence just like that. But even more so, His presence should be within us and is promised to us by the Holy Spirit. But the very moment that Adam sinned, mankind has been without this being able to talk direct at any moment to, the, to God. And, and what has happened is throughout the rest of human history, all that's being played out after the fall is to bring man back into this personal, face-to-face relationship with God. The tabernacle was temporary. The temple was temporary. And I thank God that today, this world is temporary. And one day, this mortal will put on immortality. This corruptible will put on incorruption. And we shall be with the Lord, and so shall we ever be. That God will dwell with us. As a matter of fact, you can go read Revelation 21 and 22. And you know what it says? There is no need of a temple there. Why? Because the Lamb of God is there. So I won't need a tabernacle or a temple because I'm going to take this tabernacle off because God's going to dwell with me and I'm going to dwell with Him. That's the goal of all of human history, to be with God again. And I wish that the church of God, that the people of God, greatly desired the presence of God more than they would for America to turn back. And I love America and I love my freedoms. But I am far too afraid that we care much more about our freedoms and about our nation than we do the kingdom of God. I will celebrate my freedom tomorrow. I will eat more hot dogs than you could imagine. I will watch fireworks and I will celebrate my freedom. But we must understand that this world will be done away with and I'm going up and out. I'm going to be with the Lord forever. And to be with the Lord forever and to be in His presence forever is going to be far greater than anything that this world, including our wonderful nation, could ever give us. Because God one day will wipe away all tears and make all things new. That's where I'm going. You can take whatever else you want. That's where I'm headed to. I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Well, their tabernacle was to be the place where God would come to man where they could fellowship. The place where worship could be offered. It both operated as the place where God's presence was given and the place where man and God could fellowship, but as well and especially used to see the substitutionary sacrifice where blood could be shed and sprinkled upon the mercy seat of God to allow access because 
an unholy, wicked, sinful, fleshly man can never enter into the presence of a holy, righteous, and good God. This is why that same holy, righteous, and good God put on flesh to tabernacle with man. That God put on flesh and He dwelt among us. And He died for us in the flesh. And He rose again. And now has become a quickening spirit to make us alive from the inside out. But the tabernacle and the temple both themselves have some similarities. And this is what we're going to look at. The place of it. It was a three-room house of God. It had the outer court. It was visible and visited by all. Right? If you want to think of it some way, uh, you think about this giant rectangular place and and the outside, people could come into the visit, right? You think of our front lawn. Anybody can go on out there. Anybody can see it, drive by, see all these things, right? It is the place of external worship and sacrifice for the people. But then when you go in a little bit further, this is called the holy place. Restricted only for the office of priests. The inner room was dedicated for worship and sacrifice, not according to man's law or man's way, but according to God's law and God's way. And to do anything outside of that was blasphemous, idolatrous, and quite dangerous to their health. It is a shame that we traded the word sanctuary in our church houses for auditoriums. It used to mean something to gather away from the world and to meet with God. It is a shame that we cared much more about the color of carpet inside of the sanctuary than we did the fact that we were gathering to meet with God in the sanctuary, to be away from the things of this world, and to be with our God who loves us so. It is a shame that we have traded the presence of God for all of our outward programs and for all of our activity. And in being so busy that we have forgotten what it means to know God and to know His presence because that's where the power is and that's where the real change is and that's where the real revival is. That's where the real work of God is done in His presence. But then, there was another room inside the temple. The Holy of Holies. The innermost room reserved only for the high priest who only once a year would enter in God's way on the Day of Atonement to sprinkle blood for the sins of His own self and for the sins of the people. I would have you know today there is something far greater than the blood of bulls and goats, and it's the blood of Christ that has been sprinkled upon the mercy seat of God to offer eternal life for you today. If you are saved today, it's by God's mercy. If you are being sanctified today, it's by God's mercy, and you will be glorified by the mercy of God. All of it is by the grace of in mercy of God. But furthermore, this place of the Holy of Holies and specifically above the mercy seat would be the place where God's presence would come and dwell. It was the place where several times in the Old Testament we see these times, the tabernacle in the wilderness, which was a temporary time and a temporary place. Then as well in the temple, we find these times and these moments where God's overwhelming presence would come. It would come by a cloud and would hover. And even at times when the tabernacle was installed and when the temple was installed, overwhelmed the place so much so that Moses could not enter in to minister. That then Solomon and others, when the time came when God overwhelmed with His presence, they could not enter in. Why? Because sinful flesh cannot enter into the presence of a holy God without death. 
in this entire tabernacle and temple operates as an object lesson about the nature of who God is as well as the nature of who we are and that we are vastly different. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10 for just a moment. But both the tabernacle and the temple point to Jesus, the great prophet, priest, and king who has made a way into God's restricted presence. You used to not be able to just willy-nilly go and see God, and now the very presence of God is within us. I don't have to go to church to pray. I don't have to go to church to meet with God. I can do that anywhere, and praise God I can. But nevertheless, when the church gathers together, it is to be in the presence of God together because there's no better place. There's no place like it. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 tells us this, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He had consecrated for us through the veil that is to say, His flesh. Christ has made a way. The day that Christ died as He let out the cry, it is finished, the veil, the, the temple curtain that divided the Holy of Holies to the holy place was rent and two, allowing access to God, not by your own way and not by religion and not by good works, lest any man should boast, and we would, by the way, but by the blood of Jesus. Christ's blood is uh, sufficient to save, and it is only His blood that is sufficient to save. It is only the blood of Jesus that can wash away our sins. We sing it about it, don't we? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It is His sacrifice for your sins and mine that allows us now access to God. Now, I want to look today at the new temple. The new temple is not one made with rocks and stones or wood and gold, but rather, ye are the temple of God. Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Just as the temple was a three-ruined house of God, so is man. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 5.23 for just a moment. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 As the temple was a three-ruined house of God where the presence of God would dwell in and should change and affect inside to outside. Sadly, though, through many years and through much sin, much of it was corrupted, the people were corrupted. Don't forget Jesus, the same Jesus who said, blessed are the meek, blessed are the peacemakers, made a whip and drove some folks out of the temple to cleanse it because people had changed its use. It was meant to be a, a house of prayer, a house of fellowship with God, a house of worship and sacrifice. And they had changed it. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You, my dear friend, are a three-room house of God to be the temple of the Holy Ghost. Let's look at what this means here. First of all, remember the temple had the outer court. That's for all to see, for all to be able to go and they may worship and sacrifice. We have our outer court as well, our body. It is our fleshly outward body. 2 Corinthians 4.16 describes it and says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, 
Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Some of us this morning woke up with a new ache, a new pain, a new freckle, wrinkle, mole, or gray hair. And some of you, you had your hair fall out. Now we've got some issues in our body, don't we? Why? Because our body is temporary. It is fleshly. It is corruptible. But one day, praise God, it too shall be redeemed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. It is visible. It is our outward court. Visible to man and operates as our external expression of who we are inwardly. But boy, you can fake your outward temple and fool some people, but you cannot fool God with your outward temple. There are many folks who believe that in order to be in the presence of God that you've got to change the outward first. God will change your heart long before He changes your shirt. God will do the work from the inside out. But notice this. If we are the temple of God, we know much more outwardly, don't we, than much of the inward because we don't look too deep on the inside because it scares us sometimes. We think about how sinful we can be, how wicked we can be, and we judge ourselves and our sanctification off of the outside. Well, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't date girls that do, so I must be right with God. You see, Jesus talked to some people in His day called the Pharisees. And their outer court was beautiful. Their outer garments were gorgeous and they said the right words. They went the right places. They prayed the right ways. And yet inside, there was not the presence of God. And I can tell you this, you can slap up a building, throw up a steeple, and if the presence of God ain't there, it ain't no church. Church used to be about simply that. Not the outside, but the presence of God inside. Nevertheless, for us as individuals, we have to understand here that only... The only part of us that man can see is our fleshly, carnal part. This is the place that was used for outward sacrifice and external worship because our body is to be an instrument of worship to God. He says, And ye are not your own. Whose hands are these? Not yours. Whose eyes? Not yours. Whose feet? Not yours. These don't belong to us. These belong to God. And yet we will carry ourselves further and away from the presence of God. We'll go off to sin. We'll go off to do our own thing. You see, when we're walking in the Spirit of God, it always brings us into the presence of God. But when we walk in the flesh, you will find that you will not find the presence and peace and power of God in your life. You will find turmoil. You will find frustration you will find a multitude of sin and issues. This outward man that was required to be dedicated, surrendered to the Lord. Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, we're not just talking, well, I've got to do the right things on the outside, therefore then I'm acceptable to God. So we're going to see it's all of us. If your inside isn't right, It doesn't matter what you do on the outside. Romans as well tells us in chapter 6, verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, it's your body, servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. Do not say I can't serve God. No, it's not that you can't serve God. You won't serve God. It's not I can't help with VBS. I won't help with VPS. It's not, I I can't give, I can't go, I can't speak, I can't witness, I can't evangelize, I can't give. It's that we won't. 
because we have yet to yield even our outer courts long before we've yielded our inner. Your body is not yours. It belongs to Him. And it is to be the dwelling place of God. I would ask you, have you surrendered your body, your outer court to the Lord? The second place though of the temple, a little more inward, is the soul of man. This would be the holy place. Restricted to the priest as the temple was here now. The outside world doesn't see this. The word for soul here is the word psyche. It's the same place, same idea and understanding where we get psychology, psychosis. What's that dealing with? The mind. The mind is a beautiful thing. All the computers in the world don't compare to one brain. Even yours, praise God, even mine. God has created it as these children saying, we're wonderfully made because God has formed and fashioned us and made us and gave us worth, but He's given us mind here. <coughs> you see, the soul of man is immaterial, but it is linked to our spirit. We'll get to that in just a moment. This is the idea of the real you. The real you is not what you wear on the outside. It's not even the places you go. The real you is where your inside takes you because your inside takes you before your outside goes. Adulteries happen long before there's been any outward adultery. There's been adultery in the mind and the heart. There's been murder long before a knife or a gun goes off. There's been murder in the heart and the mind. But the idea of psyche, the idea of the man's soul is our mind, which is our thoughts, our emotions, which are our feelings, and our will, which you have. And it's free to do and will as you please. But boy, how often we choose what is wicked and vile. The will is our decisions. You were designed by God to think, to feel, and to decide. But sadly, in our sinfulness and in the flesh alone, we will think wrongly of God and of ourselves. We will feel wrongly of God and ourselves. And we will decide wrongly against God and ourselves and others. Every man has the ability to do such. And you have the ability now in Christ Jesus to either yield your mind, your psyche, your soul to the flesh or to the Spirit. So much of the Word of God tells us about self-control. And it's not just about not picking up a bottle or not going someplace you're not supposed to, but it begins here on the inward man. Your inward man must be right. Your mind must be renewed. As He had told us here in Romans, and we not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need our souls our psyche, our thoughts, our emotions, and our decisions renewed by the Spirit of God. It is this soul of ours is how we relate to ourselves and to one another. This is how you think, how you feel, and how you decide. And those things must be surrendered to God. You are not your own, therefore your thoughts should not be your own, but rather they should be yielded to the things of God. What does he tell us in Colossians chapter 3? He tells us this, 
Colossians chapter 3, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection, your thoughts on the things above, not on the things on earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. What should you think? What should your mind be focused upon? Upon Christ. How what should you feel? Not whatever you feel, but rather your feelings should be determined by the fact of who God is and what He has done. We are so often controlled by our emotions and the outward world, but we should be controlled from the inside out from knowing God, from yielding ourselves to Him, from His very presence within us, from the fact that Christ has saved us. The innermost room of the temple, the Holy of Holies, and your innermost room which separates you from every other animal and creature of God that makes you a living soul is this. It is your spirit. Where your outward body, your body, your outward court is how you relate to man with what they see. And then perhaps your soul, the holy place, if you will, the inner place. Well, that's a place where we can relate to some others, how we think and feel and decide things. But here's the critical part. Because if this innermost room is not right, nothing else will be today. Your spirit is your spirit right with God today. It is, in fact, in many ways, your holy of holies. Because this is what it makes us unique. This is what gives us the ability to know and worship God. This is what we were designed to do. To know God and to worship God. To glorify God. Every one of us. Not just the preacher. Not just the superstar Christians. But every believer... It should be the normal Christian life to be in the Spirit of God and to worship God and give Him glory. This should not be abnormal. And yet when we know someone who walks by the Spirit, talks by the Spirit, lives by the Spirit, we think they're freaks and weirdos. And it's because we are the ones that are not normal. We are the ones not living by the Spirit of God, and they are. And you can tell there is a difference. And my friend, there is a difference. The moment of salvation. Christ has given life to our dead spirit. Ephesians 2, 1, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, that, that uh, he is now, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. You see, if there's no presence of God on the inside, in the innermost room, in your spirit, if your spirit has not been changed, then there will be no power outside. There will be no walk with God on the outside if there is no presence of God on the inside. There will be no walk with God on the outside if there is no walk with God on the inside. How do we have this walk? We must yield ourselves from the inside out knowing that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost of God. Therefore, all the outer parts of us, the outer court, our bodies, our soul, our mind, our thoughts, our affections, our, our emotions, and our spirit, how we relate to God, that every part of your life inside to outside and back inside again belongs to God and should be for God. So, come Tuesday morning when you get this holiday, you get to go back to work, you know what that's for? Is it for you or is it for God? Is it by you or by God? Is it through you or through God? It must be by Him, to Him, and through Him. All things... Through Christ in us. 
Our spirit must have the illuminating and transforming power of the Holy Spirit before it will become the dwelling place of God's presence. And sadly, there are countless saved souls who do not live in the outflow and overflow of knowing the presence of God inside of them. And they're frustrated and they're trying to make their outward right. And they keep going, how come I'll have my outward right good for all of two hours and then I revert back? Well, because you're trying to do it in your own strength. The presence of God is within. Live in the outflow and overflow of such, knowing that it is He who saved us, remember, from the inside out. So how in the world do you think He will sanctify you from the inside out? Because what is the difference? What is the key between salvation, sanctification, and glorification? It is the presence of God within. That we once were enemies who have now been reconciled. We once were lost, and now we're found. We once were blind, but now we see because of the work of God inside out. And here's the message, and we'll be done. The temple of God. Every believer is now the temple of the Holy Ghost of God with God's very powerful, yet very peaceful presence within us. The very power of God resides in you through the Holy Spirit. The very peace of God resides in you because of the Holy Spirit. We'll seek all these outward things to try to find peace, and we won't find it. We'll try to find all this strength outward, we won't find it. And it's because we're looking in the wrong place. Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost of God, and that ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Everything belongs to Him and for Him. I want to help you to understand this by using someone else's words who's a whole lot smarter than me. There was a guy named Dr. Adrian Rogers who knew something of the presence of God. Countless other men have known, not because they were anybody special, not because they were the smartest in the class or because they were the best speakers, but because they knew the power and the peace and the presence of God within. That's the difference. He writes, God the Father's intention for you and me is that we be joined to Christ so that the Holy Spirit can illuminate and enlighten our human spirit. Then our human spirit is meant to communicate God's divine will to our soul, our mind, emotions, and will. And the soul is meant to motivate the body, our outward, to navigate out into the world with purpose of accomplishing God's will. It takes body, soul, and spirit working together to make us what the New Testament calls a temple of the living God, a place where He dwells. When we yield to Christ, the will and the power of the invisible God will be made visible through our bodies. We will be at peace in our souls, and we will know the fullness of God's indwelling presence in our spirits. Then our invisible God will receive the glory due His name. We will not see the glory of God in our churches, in our homes, and in our hearts if we do not first understand the truth that it's the inside out 
the work of the Spirit, depending upon Him, knowing that we're no longer our own, that we belong to Him, and that it is not just about our body doing the right things, and it's not just about right thinking, and it's not just about worshiping God on the inside, but it's that as I'm worshiping the Lord on the inside, and as I'm growing in a knowledge of the holiness of God, and in a knowledge of His goodness, growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, then what does that do? It changes the way I think. And it changes the way I feel about Him, about life circumstances, about church, about giving, about my own self, about my purpose in life, about the will of God, which then allows me, and you have the choice in this moment, to stop there and either submit your will to His will or to keep on trucking, and you can live your miserable, miserable Christian walk without the power of God in it. I don't want such things. I want what men like Adrian Rogers had and men like Tozer had and men like we talk about of old and what you guys who are older than me have seen times where the presence of God was so, so thick in a church service that long before there were altar calls and long before there was preaching that people got things right with God and right with each other. Hardly will we find a woo, a hallelujah, or a testimony anymore. Not because God has changed, but because we have stopped living with the outflow and the overflow of the presence of God in our life. But this then changes the outside, not the other way around. If we would understand God's presence within, then we would be able to see His power without. You see, real prayer and practice, the living of the Christian life, begins and must begin in the presence of God. If you don't start your day in the presence of God, I wouldn't expect to start it come lunchtime. But if you don't start in the presence of God, I can tell you this, God's still very much there. Go anyways. You feel unworthy? Go. You feel that you're unusable? Be used of God. I can tell you He'll use you. He'll use anybody who's available and yields themselves to Him. The real Christian life begins in His presence as we yield our human spirit to His Spirit that now lives within us, that we now carry. The power of the life of the believer is found within the presence of God within the believer. Let me ask you today as we bring this to a close, are you actually truly experiencing the fullness of the presence of God in your life? I would hazard to say no. Because I know me. And if we were to look, and in one year of being here, God has been incredibly faithful. God has taught me more things in the past two months than I've learned in ten years. God has answered incredibly specific prayers lately. Not because I'm just on a roll, but rather because He's God. That's what He does. I've seen God move in this place, and I expect to God continue to do so in the future. But in a year, I've heard an incredible deal of wonderful things from the past and history of this church, which, by the way, has been around for 50 years now. Praise God for that. Many churches don't make it that long. But in so doing, for many, still have more of a desire to go back to the past than to live 
now in the presence of God. You see, I yearn not for the past, but I yearn for the God of the past, the present, and the future. I yearn not just for going, oh, I wish God would do the things that He used to do. But we've got to yearn for God. We've got to desire to know Him more than anything else. You see, God has not changed. And the reason why we don't see the things of old is not because well, we're just up and new with the times. Because in many ways, we're not better off than what we used to be. We've got to understand that the greatest thing that we need today and moving forward for the next 50 years of the life of this church, that the greatest thing that could ever be said about this church would be that when you come here, you know that God is here. That when you walk through those doors, you know that God is here. You know that when you see these people at Food Line, Walmart, in the church, out of the church, on their front porch, or walking down the sidewalk, that you know that they carry with them the presence of God in all of their life is an outflow of the presence of God within them. Well, that we might know the presence of God. Are you living today as a temple of God? Yielded to God from the inside out? Or are you so frustrated because you're working from the outside in? You see, God deals with the inside before the outside. God dwells in the inside and lightens the out close you with this today. Ian Thomas writes, To be in Christ, that is redemption. But for Christ to be in you, that is sanctification. To be in Christ, that makes you fit for heaven. But for Christ to be in you, that makes you fit for earth. To be in Christ, that changes your destination. But for Christ to be in you, that changes your destiny. The one makes heaven your home. The other makes this world his workshop. Dear believer, may we know the place of the presence of God. I don't want to hear, I want to be so heavenly minded, I'm no earthly good. I want to be so heavenly minded that I am earthly good. God has work to do and desires to use you and desires to use each one of you, by the way. But what will we yield to? You see, many of us have been saved and we are in Christ. But we're not progressing in sanctification because it's not in you. You're not living from the inside out. We're not surrendered to the Spirit of God. Many of us are so frustrated, so tired. The reason why is because we're doing all the work. Let the Lord have all of you. Not some of you. Let the Lord have every day of your week. Not an hour. Give God all of you. We just might see all of Him. And to see all of God and all of His glory in our churches again. What a day that would be not just for us. But what a day that would be for our community that desperately needs to know this God that we do. With this God that we know, but we don't live through. This God that we know, who indwells us, and yet we miss out on the biggest and best thing in our life, the presence of God within you. Let's all stand this morning. Today I ask you as we have this time, first of all today, if you don't know Christ, 
If you don't have your sins forgiven, would you come and ask the Lord Jesus to save you? He will save you to the uttermost. You've never been too bad for Him to save. You're not too far gone for Him to save. As a matter of fact, that's what God does. God saves folks. Today, perhaps your heart is in need today of God's presence. Maybe it's been a little while since you've been in His presence. Would you come and pray today? Come and pray and thank God and ask the Lord for a fresh touch from Him. And I promise you, you won't regret it.